Let's have a word of prayer. Jesus, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you for each one that was brought here this morning. We thank you for the gift of music that we've heard. We thank you for uh, the children that we've seen up front and the blessing of them. Thank you for the prayers, the appeal for the offering, the scripture. Lord, we pray that as we spend a few more minutes together that you will speak uh, through me and uh, speak through your word. In your name we pray. Amen. It's good to be back with you all, by the way. I missed you all. Um, was blessed, though, by Pastor Andrea's sermons. Amen. Um, and, and was blessed by the, the text and the, and the tweets that I received in which I uh, received things like from my good friend Doug Zinke, which said, I hope you're paying attention and now you know how to do it. Um, and uh, I had commented on how Pastor Dwight had said she was uh, uh, the best in his preaching class. And I said, I hope that he meant only the one preaching class because I also took preaching classes from him. And, uh, and Mark Noble uh, texted me and said, no, I think he meant all of his preachers that she was the best. So, so who needs enemies when you have friends like that, right? So, but we're so blessed to have, have uh, her, her gifts in many ways here with us. Today we're going to be talking about a subject that is on a lot of hearts and minds um, within our community. Uh, it's probably a subject that I wouldn't have needed to preach on maybe 20 or 40 years ago. Uh, I remember growing up as a, as a child that I didn't even know who my parents voted for. I had no idea. They didn't talk about it. We didn't discuss it. I didn't know what party they were affiliated with. I didn't know what what uh, affiliation was anybody actually in church, even all the way up into to high school, it was really quite rare for there to be much discussion of politics outside of maybe our history classes at school. We as a church used to keep quite an arm's length of politics. Uh, we didn't grow up knowing necessarily who people voted for, but things have changed. And even within our Adventist community, we are much more, uh, uh, we spend a much more amount of time uh, engaging in the political process, maybe sometimes too much, and I speak for myself as well. A great majority of you, as I've discovered um, through Facebook and through Twitter and through emails that have been sent to me and through conversations I've heard in the hallways and, 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 and various other means, a great majority of you will be entering the ballot box this Tuesday holding your collective nose no matter who you are voting for. You know, there are those, that, that there, there, there are those on, on both sides that are predicting great calamity if the other person wins. And there are also those on both sides that are pro privately concerned of great calamity if their candidate wins as well. And unless hearts are changed, it looks like, unless hearts are changed, it looks like we as a nation are in for some challenging times potentially. We have people like Eddie Gao Jr., who is the chair of the Center for African American Studies at Princeton University, a, a devout uh, Democrat, who says, while I am not voting for Trump, I refuse to vote for Hillary Clinton. Then you have Mr. John Kasich, the Republican governor of the great state, the very great state of Ohio, who has already submitted his ballot and with a write-in name under the president of Senator John McCain. He's trying to bring back 2008. It truly is a presidential election 
like no other in my lifetime and from my studies of history, uh, like few other elections in history. And more than a few, as I've said, have expressed to me directly true anxiety over this election. Not your typical dislike. There's always dislike of, of candidates. There's always dislike of, 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 of certain viewpoints. But, but there seems to be true actual anxiety. As one person just recently said to me, I, I, I have this sinking feeling in my stomach over what is taking place in our political world. So as we prepare to vote with some of those anxieties on our hearts and on our minds, there are some things that I want to ask us to remember, to remember before we go in the ballot box, but also after we come out of the ballot box as well. No matter which candidate you are voting for, no matter which party you support, even if you're not voting at all, I believe that all of us need to apply these principles to our personal lives. And so I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Uh, the text that was read uh, this morning by Cindy, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, just after the book of 2 Kings, verses 10 through 13. Therefore, David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly, and David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. If you, like others I have talked to, and even like myself, have had moments of great concern for our, our nation, maybe even at times worry in your heart, maybe even at, to, at, at some points extreme worry, let us remember this truth, this promise that is in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 29, that all that is in the heavens and all that is on the earth is God's. It's not the Democrats, it's not the Republicans, it's not the Libertarians, it's not the Independents, it's not the Green Party, it is God. God is exalted as head above all. Brothers and sisters, that is a truth that you and I need to hold in our hearts as we go into the, into the ballot box and also as we come out of the ballot box after we've cast our votes. It is reality. If Mr. Trump is president or if Mrs. Clinton is president, it is reality that God is still God. Let me ask you a question. And it's something we need to think about because I think some of us forget that, forget this aspect. Is God going to have a more difficult time being God if either of them is president? Do you think God in heaven is up there saying, oh man, I, I didn't think this person was going to get elected? <laughs> How on earth am I still going to be God now? I mean, they're so awesome or unawesome. <laughs> God isn't going to have a harder time being God no matter who is president. Some of us need to be reminded of this because our Facebook posts and our Twitter posts and the rhetoric in the hallways and the emails I've received make it seem like all the world rises and falls 
on the backs of these two people. As Christians, we must maintain perspective, even if no one else has it. Hear this, folks. God is still great. God is still all-powerful. God is still our ultimate leader, period. Another truth I would like us to remember, and this may be harder for some of us to accept or stomach. None of us, if we've prayed and asked the Lord to guide us, none of us are making a truly righteous vote. We're making an informed vote based on our prayers, but none of us are making a truly righteous vote. Why? Because none of our candidates are per se righteous. It doesn't matter if one has sinned a little less than the other or one's grievances seem a little more palpable than the others. A sin is a sin is a sin is a sin. One of my great angsts in modern politics is those that try to tie the presidential post to the level of spiritual leader. Would we desire for them when they are in office to seek the counsel of God? Absolutely we would. We'd want everybody in any position, whether they're a trash collector or a lawyer or whether they're the president of the United States or whether they're the secretary that works in the Oval Office or in the, in the, in the East Wing there. We'd want all of them, no matter what their position, to seek the counsel of God. Each one of us in our positions should seek the counsel of God. But let us not place these votes and these candidates into a right or wrong vote spiritually. We are spiritual people, folks, voting for a secular office. For a secular office. The Bible reminds us in several places, but I think in particular of Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, in which the Bible tells us there is what? None righteous, no, not what? One. None righteous, no, not one. And oh, by the way, that includes the person that is casting the ballot in the box. Which means, let us also remember that we should not denigrate any others that may cast their ballot in the opposite direction of ours. Let us not denigrate any others that may cast their ballot in the opposite direction than ours. The candidates running for office and the individuals in the ballot box are all great sinners in need of a great God, period. There is none righteous, no, not one. Let us also remember as we head into the ballot box, but especially as you step out of the ballot box, listen to this, folks, as we head into the ballot box, but especially as you step out of the ballot box and the results of the vote begin to roll in, let us remember this. Your moral, my moral responsibility, no matter who wins, if we are professed followers of Jesus Christ, no matter who wins, is to pray for the success and the well-being of the candidate. That is not thus saith Chad. That is thus saith the word of the Lord. Open your Bibles to the book of Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. This is Paul writing. First of all, he says, I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings, that's a tough word, 
and thanksgivings be made for how many people? All people. For kings and all who are in, what? High positions. That we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of who? God. It is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires how many people? All people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I know that there are some of you in this room. There are some of you in this room that cannot stomach the thought of Donald Trump becoming president of the United States. And I know also that there are some of you in this room that cannot stomach the thought of Hillary Clinton becoming president of the United States. And finally, I know that there are some of you in this room that cannot stomach the thought of either of them becoming president of the United States, and on Monday night, you're going to pray like you never have before that Jesus will come. <laughs> but no matter which of these three categories you fall into, no matter which of these three categories you fall into, January 20th, 2017, if Donald Trump is inaugurated president, Hillary supporters, your responsibility as a Christian is to pray for him and his well-being. If January 20th, 2017, Hillary Clinton is inaugurated president, Donald supporters, your responsibility as a Christian and a follower of Jesus Christ is to pray for her and her well-being. And the group that can't stomach either candidate, you're going to just have to pray for them both. Your Christian responsibility is to pray for whichever of those two, whichever of those two is our president after January 20th, 2017. We must remember this when we go into the ballot box, but more importantly, we must remember when we come out of the box as well. We must remember our moral commitment to Christ and following his counsel in his word, which says, pray for all leaders, pray for their well-being so that we may have peace. That trumps, no pun intended, that trumps our disgust of any single candidate. God wants us to pray for our leaders, folks, so that there can be peace, and also because Jesus desires the salvation of all. Did you know that Jesus loves, yes, Mark, it's true, Jesus loves Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton and Gary Johnson and Julie Stein every bit as much as he loves you. Every bit as much. His death on the cross was with them in mind just as much as it was with you in mind. The sins of Hillary Clinton and the sins of Donald Trump did no more to put Jesus on the cross than your sins or my sins. Let us remember, let us remember this as we go into the box. Let us remember that, that Nebuchadnezzar was an immoral, raging narcissist. I mean, after God told him he was going to be destroyed, he said, oh yeah, watch this, look how great I am. I'm going to build a giant statue of myself. Many, out of, I'm only the head of gold up here. I'm going to be the entire statue of gold. Look how great I am. Everyone, now bow down and worship me. 
His nickname, folks, was the hammer. Why? Because he killed so many people. And yet God allowed Daniel to be put in Nebuchadnezzar's presence so that he could bring salvation to Nebuchadnezzar. I know when we read Daniel, we focus on the prophecies and what it means for us in the here and now. But it's not always all about just us. There was a man in that kingdom that God wanted to save. Remember, at each junction of that journey, Nebuchadnezzar was urged to acknowledge God as his God. We see on three different occasions, on, on two different occasions, we see Nebuchadnezzar acknowledge God as the God or as a God, but God wanted him to acknowledge him as his God. We finally see in Nebuchadnezzar chapter 4, verse, thir verse 37, after many back and forth with God. Nebuchadnezzar finally says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, he said, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. Not what a great God, not you praise and honor God. He says, now I praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. Daniel's mission, folks, wasn't just about leading us to an understanding of 1844. His first mission there in the immediate presence was to help lead the heart of an individual that Jesus Christ loved to worship his one true God. So we pray that whoever is elected, that God will send someone, maybe one of you, to be in their midst, that you can help them grow in their love and their relationship with Jesus Christ. We remember whomever is elected, that that is an individual that God loves and they are not simply a caricature on Twitter or on Facebook to be mocked and ridiculed as if they are not one that Jesus Christ himself died for. He or she is an individual that Jesus wants in the kingdom of heaven, hold on, maybe even living next door to you. Finally, I want us to remember this before and after we vote. Who you are and what your mission is as a Christian does not change. It should not change after Tuesday. Turn to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2. Book of 1 Peter chapter 2. In verse 9, we read the following. But you, speaking of the body of Christ, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I personally believe that we should vote, that it's a right, it's a privilege that we have in this nation. It's a blessing to have that right and that privilege, though that is from Chad and not the word of the Lord. So if you don't vote, there's no condemnation in that. But I don't believe our vote should influence our mission or do anything that would cause our mission of witness 
to be compromised. What do I mean by that? I mean by that this, that no matter what we vote, when we step out of that box, no matter who wins or doesn't win, or rather, no matter who is elected or who is not elected, we should not have done anything leading up to that or after that that would cause our witness for Jesus Christ to be compromised for anyone. Which may mean the best way to make this a reality is to do as Ellen White encourages us to do. Just keep our votes to ourselves. Look, we're encouraged to address issues. We're encouraged to talk about issues. But there comes a time, and now is that time, when it may be best to just keep our vote to ourselves. Why do I say that? Because I've, I'm seeing things. I'm hearing things. I'm seeing People that are, that are my friends say things like, I don't know who these people are. I thought we were friends. I hope this all settles out after this election's over. I mean, it's literally dividing people. Families are not talking because one wants Trump and one wants Hillary. I had a lady post on Twitter that I need to open my eyes, and then she did a hashtag. I won't tell you what she said. An Adventist woman, and I tried to respond to her, and I was blocked from Twitter. So she yelled at me and then blocked me. You know why? Because I said her and another individual were having a little discussion on Twitter with my name involved. And I said, why don't we just remember who we are and be careful of the names we call each other. You need to open your eyes. Da -da -da, hashtag. I responded and now we're no longer friends, I guess. God is still all great and all powerful no matter who wins this election. God's not going to have any problem being God no matter who's living on Pennsylvania Avenue. None of us are making a purely righteous vote. We are spiritual people praying for God's direction but voting for a secular, not a spiritual, a secular office. Do not denigrate anyone that casts a ballot for one you feel is unfit for office. Our moral obligation and obedience to the word of God is to pray for whomever our next president-elect is. Jesus loves and wants to save Mr. Trump and Mrs. Clinton just as much as he loves and wants to save you and even your own precious, beautiful, innocent children. Our mission before we go in and before we go out does not change. We are to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus our Savior, not one individual candidate or another. Therefore, let us keep our votes to ourselves so that our witness can be for everyone. I want to invite you now to pull out your connection cards with me. And on the back of your connection cards, you should receive one in your bulletin. Go ahead and pull those out. At this time, we'll collect these at the door. You can turn them in at the Welcome Center. Our next steps there on the back of the connection card. The first one is memorize 1 Timothy 2, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. If you're thinking to yourself, man, that whole idea about praying for this person is really challenging, then maybe that's a good text right now at this time to, to memorize, to remind us of what our responsibility is as Christians. 
The second one there, pray and ask God to help me to remember my witness for him is more important than my support of any candidate or political party. Look, I'm passionate about what's happening. I'm passionate about the issues. But, but be, let us all, no matter in our passion, let it not consume us to the point that we're willing to damage our witness to another individual. The third one is, I plan to attend the prayer gathering for our nation on Monday night at 7 p.m. It's in your bulletin, and I also want to mention to you, and I sent out in a pastor's prose, but I want to mention now to you as well, that uh, tomorrow, or Monday night at 7 p.m., we're going to have a gathering here to pray that God will lead and direct. We want him to lead and direct in everything that's taking place, but we also want him to lead and direct our hearts and our minds in this process as well. That we will go into the box as Christians, we'll come out of the box Christians, we'll remain Christians through the next four years, no matter what. And that we pray that we will play a role in seeing Jesus come before our next election. Finally, I'm interested in learning how to give Bible studies. You may say, what does that have to do with elections? Well, remember, our primary witness is to declare the excellencies of Jesus Christ. And so I would say one of the best ways to declare the excellencies of Jesus Christ is to teach people the truths of Jesus Christ and how much he loves them and that he is coming soon to take us home to be with him. If that's something you're interested in, I'd love to connect with you and, and do that. I want to encourage all of you. I want to encourage all of us to remember these things, and I speak to myself as well, because I'm just as guilty. Let us remember these things. Let us remember that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. And let us remember that will be the same today, tomorrow, November 8th, and November 9th. Let us bow our heads. Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for how you called us to be your children to represent you in all things, including our political engagement. Lord, we pray that how we live in this time will make you better known and better loved to everyone we come in contact with. In the name